0: of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And a deal is complete. Well, agreed to. Still some paperwork to figure out, but we do have NHL hockey actually on the horizon. We'll tell you what needs to be taken care of, what the details are on the upcoming season. And first, we'll get into the World Junior fiasco. Yes, 10 positive tests, two staff members on Sweden, and eight German Players will tell you the consequences of that. Plus, our Send Central citizen. We're heading to the other side of the world. We're bringing on Chris Bolger out in Dubai. Great conversation with him. We get into a ton of topics, all that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day. Today is Saturday, December 19th in Pilsy. I think I sound like a broken record, but I believe Hockey is back.
1: Hey, that's all I can do is believe. And it seems like a deal is agreed upon. It just needs to be finalized, get some paperwork done, hammer out some details. And I think probably the biggest details that still need to be hammered out involve the seven Canadian teams and how that's going to work with different pro- provincial jurisdictions based on uh, the health officials in each area. but. I'm confident that we're going to get something that's going to work here. The teams are going to play all in their own cities and the all Canadian division looks like we got a whole spin around. We said it was on. We said it was off. Looks like it's back on.
0: Yeah, well, the BC government, the Ontario government, we believe are the ones not necessarily holding it up, but they want to make sure all the right protocols are in place and good on them. Get this virus under control, too all these teams are going to be taking charters to and from each game. They're going to be going from the hotel to the rink. And that's about it for 56 games. And if that is how it breaks down with the all Canadian division, it'll be 10 games each between Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa, and then nine games in the Western side of the country. So the goal is for all 31 teams to be playing in their own buildings, but how does that work for playoffs? Well, the all Canadian division would maintain itself. It would be the top four teams in each division. Number one plays number four. Number two plays number three. Those winners compete in the second round. And then once you have two from each division, then you all come together for the semifinals before the ultimate Stanley Cup final, which we believe will be in early July, the regular season finishing May 8th. However, Pilsy, it sounds like all this information, by the way, courtesy of Frank Saravelli, who's been all over this as well. And it just seems like they might even push it back a couple of weeks. But do you believe that the training camps for the Ottawa Senators will open either the 30th or 31st of December? That's what it sounds like. And, I mean, it's
1: not much. It definitely, uh, like, remember when the, the original talks were starting and they were saying the seven teams that didn't qualify would were going to have a pre-tournament, like multiple exhibition games, earlier training camp, the best they could do is give them a couple days extra training camp, which I mean, isn't great, but you'll take it because they need all the time they can get to sort out these rosters, especially when you got to decide extra roster spots for taxi squad spots. Who's going to be on your taxi squad? Who's making the team out of the jump? It's going to be really interesting to see.
0: Yeah, and like with that taxi squad, do you want guys there who are maybe better off playing in competitive games in the American Hockey League? Knock on wood, that gets up and going in early February. There's going to be lots of interesting decisions to make when it comes to that. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to get
1: into who we think is going to be on the taxi squad yet. I think people need to realize, though, this probably isn't going to be filled with 21, 22-year-olds. You want them playing competitive games. Where I think this is going to be interesting for the Ottawa Senators is in your taxi squad, it's mandatory that you have a third goalie. And you're not going to put Decord, Gustafson, or Manda there because then they're not getting in competitive games and these are young, developing goaltenders. I think we could see a scenario where the Senators go out and sign a veteran guy. Like, remember when the Leafs added Aaron Dell and I'm pretty sure they brought back Michael Hutchison? Everyone was scratching their head. Well that's probably because they were anticipating they're going to need a third emergency backup goalie ready who they're not worried about developing. They're not worried about being in the AHL. So we could see the Sens and other teams make pickups like that with this knowledge going forward.
0: Well, just if anyone from the Senators brass is listening, both Pilsey and I are available for that role. If you would like to give us a call, we'd be more than happy. How about that for content? If we, a tale from inside the locker room, it sounds too good to pass up. So Sends management, we'll be waiting by our phone for that. Some players may not be picking up their phone. They do have the option of opting out this year. However, if that's the case, A, they won't get paid, which I think will be an issue for anyone thinking about opting out. And then secondly, that would push their contract back. So if you have two years left on your contract and you pass up playing this year, you still have two years left on your contract next year.
1: Think of it more as service time rather than contract years, right? You're getting paid for your time being played. So those contracts are going to carry over if you don't play.
0: Yeah, very fair. And with Tim Stutz, we're still waiting for him to sign a contract, officially becoming an Ottawa Senator, but wow, the coronavirus. So you know that it spreads like nothing we've ever seen before, but when it comes to Team Germany, are you worried now? Eight positive tests among players. They're going to be in quarantine now until December 24th. And then they play Finland-Canada back-to-back. Yikes.
1: Definitely some cause for concern, especially when you're already looking. Before this team even traveled over, they were having COVID problems, right? So then you get eight players. Who knows who these eight players are? Uh, Hopefully all of them are, are safe and healthy. But this is kind of a scare for me, Ross, because... Really, you're, you're hoping once you're in the bubble, everyone is safe. But now you have positive tests inside that bubble. It's kind of been like penetrated. I would have thought that, that uh, the testing and the quarantine and the screening before would catch all that. So they can't even come over with, uh, with a positive test. But with the way the travel was set up, it seemed like that wasn't uh, exactly organized. And maybe there were some, some mistakes made there. So that's a little scary. And it's going to be tough for an already weakened Germany team to uh, have to deal with this
0: we know what you're thinking and no we do not know if tim stutzla is one of the eight players to get the coronavirus all we can do is wish a speedy recovery if there are any symptoms if not good luck getting through that quarantine and then back on the ice and you mentioned that the bubble has been penetrated sometimes it does take multiple days up to 14 to see a positive test so hopefully that's the case rather than this being a new infection going on within the bubble because that could blow up this whole thing or pop the bubble, I should say. Pillsy, what do you say we get to our Send Central Citizen this week?
1: Yeah, let's do it. And this has been a long time coming. Chris Traveler coming to us all the way from Dubai. Uh, we We had to reschedule we couldn't get things to work i mean the time difference is just insane so getting this figured out was tough but this is a guy who he's been a sense fan for a long time and he's got some interesting stories
0: and he's got a ton of passion so without further ado here he is our sense central citizen this week it's chris bolger all right now we welcome on this week's sense central citizen it's chris bolger at chris traveler on twitter and we are going the furthest that this podcast has taken us in a Sens Central Citizens segment all the way to Dubai. Chris, what's up, man? Boys, how's it going, man? It's an honor to be here. Oh, we're fired up to have you now. We need to get into this traveling story because you've probably watched the Sens in some unique locations. So, before we ask how you became a Sens fan, where is the wildest place that you've had to tune in to catch the, oh, the Sens
2: play? The greatest, the greatest place, hands down, uh, Koh Phen Yang, Thailand, The uh, where they have that full moon party and all that, where the – yeah, uh, first thing in the morning. It's a 12-hour difference from uh, Bangkok to Eastern Standard Time Zone. Just in the morning having a coffee, watching the game, and just taking it in.
1: Yeah. So you, you told us off air you've been traveling for quite a while. Uh, where where are some of the coolest places you've been? And do you ever bump into any Sens fans uh, in your travels?
2: I meet a lot of Leafs fans, unfortunately. But, uh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I've been all over Southeast Asia, Cambodia, Vietnam, Thailand, Laos. Um, and in, in this part of the area now, like, I'm, like I've checked out, uh, I've been to Africa a couple times, Egypt. Um, I did a safari last year for, or two years ago for Christmas, which was stunning, like Kenya and Tanzania. So I've been very fortunate. Uh, yeah, I, you, you meet hockey fans, but you got to find them, right? Like you got to be wearing a hat or a jersey to have a chat.
0: Where is there a town or city that you've been in where you find there's a bit more of a, of a maybe the merchandise or whatnot?
2: Not really, but I'll tell you this one. Two years ago, we, I, was in, uh, I was in Tanzania, a small town, and we just stopped to use the bathroom and get a water. And um, this dude comes around the corner and he's, he's pushing a guy in a wheelchair. And he's got a CBC hockey night in Canada toque on. Yes. I couldn't believe it. And it's like bloody hot out, man. And the guy's got a tube going. I wanted to take his picture, but I just didn't want to push anything. And yeah, but it was awesome. It was cool. It was cool. So that's probably the most, I mean, yeah, it's the most I've seen of hockey. Like that was the most, wow. Okay. This is all right.
0: Yeah. And you've, you've been traveling since
2: when? I left, I left Ottawa in 99. I lived in the UK for a couple of years, caught some games in Cardiff at the, uh, the British league, which was good hockey. and then. and then after that, I was home for 10 months. And then in 2002, I, uh, I moved out to South Korea. And then I came here three, to the Middle East three and a half years ago.
0: Oh, that's so awesome. I,
2: I, I tell you, I actually, I never played hockey. My parents didn't want to commit to it. You know, like as a hockey parent, it's not easy, right? And um, so my parents, they had me in skiing. So I'd always go up to AdaWise or Camp Fortune as a kid. They put me up on the bus in the morning from Kmart and Bell's Corners. And then I'd fire off to skiing for the day. And it was all good. But so I moved over to Korea. And what a deal. We were getting hockey. Uh, we were paying $120 a month, three nights a week, 90 minutes per ice time. Wow. So, yeah. So, I picked up the game there. And, uh, oh, you know, it's I loved it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's not often you, you hear somebody from Canada then pick up how to play outside. Okay. That's an awesome story. Are you, are you attendee? We're a goalie-friendly show. You must know that. Uh, I
2: Actually, before that year, I did play goalie one year. I went. You had Bonvi on the other day. I went yeah. to St. of X. So I got a lot of boys who know Bonvie personally, the Bonvie brothers, uh, because yeah, they're from. Andy great Ganesh. guy, eh? Oh, great guy, yeah, man. And um, so the Andy Ganish boys, they would always hang out with Bonvie in the summer when he wasn't playing. But I'd always be back in Ottawa for the summer, so I don't know him. But I, like, he's got—I mean—the connection. I, I know a lot of townies, and and Annie Ganish. I don't know if you know about Santa Fx and Andy Ganish, but it's a—it's a great school. It's the world's smallest greatest place. But like, everyone's connected in one way or another. Santa foy its kind of hard to explain but it's all good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, I mean, the, ho- the hockey world's a small world. Uh, even when you're <laughs> traveling around the world, you, you managed to pick up uh, with some fans or some sort of connection somewhere. So we got to ask you, Chris, how did you end up becoming a sense? fan? I know you said you grew up in the Ottawa area. So what, what are some of your earliest memories and when did you know that this was your team?
2: Um, right away when we got the team, I mean, I wasn't much of a hockey fan to be honest before, cause I didn't play. I mean, So I wasn't a big hockey fan. Uh, And then when Ottawa got a team and my dad, he threw a few bucks in back into that um, original, you know, give some money for the senators and see if we can get a team. So he had one of those old school parliament, Ottawa, Ottawa senators, parliament sweaters. And uh, which I, I think they got to bring that back personally, just for a bit or sell it. It's a great looking one. And so my dad was into it and my dad's into it. I'm into it. And I just, yeah. And then that was it. It's a hometown. That's it. That's it. That's all. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick one. So my buddy took me to game seven in Toronto in Oh two, was it? Oh two. And, um, so we go in there and, you know, we had a few pops and we're pretty lively and we're walking out and, um, you know, angry at the world. I think we lost three to one maybe. And this lady comes up to me and she puts a microphone right in front of my face. And she says, now that, uh, now that the sends are out of the playoffs, Will you cheer for uh, the remaining Canadian club, the Toronto Maple Leafs, buying for the Stanley Cup, and I—I I don't grab the mic; I grab her wrist and I bring the <laughs> bring the mic right in close, and I just yell. And I don't remind you—I just got back from living in the UK for two years. And I yell and change my bloody colors. Screw you! And I threw the <laughs> mic back at her. You can't change your colors, man.
0: That's no, no, I, I'm on the other side. I think that when uh, when your team's out, you're cheering for those other Canadian teams to get out as soon as possible. I know one of my biggest future wagers right now is that the Sens will be the next Canadian team to win the cup. And yes, I got like plus 800 odds on that, but still, hey, no no switching allegiances above the uh, the 49th parallel there. No chance. It's Sens or bust. But you mentioned that you started becoming a Sens fan right in '92. Who were a couple of those first players? Like, this is pre-Alfie, so you don't even have that uh, safety net answer that a lot of people go to. Who is your number one favorite, like, this guy I'm getting behind? I'm, I'm curious, like, Denny Viel has to be up there on the list. You mentioned yeah. Ghost connection But other than that, a couple of your early memories, your favorite players. Honest
2: to the Lord, I, I, I hate to say it, but I can't really – I mean, we had – one guy was – up there with goals in the league he was in the tops but i honestly, i can't remember it because to be honest with you also there was a time i also went off to Santa FX, and uh i was just young and partying and so with that said like like i was into the sense, but they were losing man remember the yeltsin cup stanley backwards and the Ooh. ottawa citizen the ottawa citizen used to post like we were in the tie with the sharks for being the worst team in the league that first or second year i mean there wasn't much to cheer about until we got dag right i mean I, well, I and even re-
0: then, they say you don't remember who goes number two. Turned out it was Chris Pronger.
2: <laughs> yeah, don't get <keep> me going. <laughs> uh, so, those early days, I mean, um, when we made the playoffs, I think that's when I became a super committed fan. Like, Ron Tugnut, uh, Randy Cunningworth. Um, I mean, they were the leaders back then. And that's, that's, that's when I became the super fan. And, like, also living back home a little bit more and, and being more invested. So, I, I, I was a fan of Ottawa. The Sens, everything, but those early years, it was kind of hard to cheer for. I did go to the biggest loss in Senators' history. I believe it was eleven to one against the St. Louis Blues. I know it was against the Blues. My friend Craig took me. Civic Center, great seats everywhere.
1: Wow, that's crazy! So I, I want to get more into that because I love hearing about the people that have been Sens fans like through the early days. Like, what was the atmosphere like at some of these games? Like, are are people just glad to be there, or are people kind of living and dying with uh, the success of the team?
0: Well, the
2: Civic Center was a great place to see a game, right? I mean, there was only ten thousand five hundred in there, and every seat was magical, so it wasn't it wasn't a problem. And then they had the trumpet player going on and. uh what was his name? Uh, sh- sh- who was the dancer? Sh- sh- oh, Jack, no, sh- Shucky, sh- ah, old school sense fans are just cursing me right now. I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and then there was an old dentist. who used to get up and he'd have a sign and he'd hold these crazy signs have these cl- crazy things written on them like, uh, go Sens, get your teeth cleaned. Or I don't <laughs> know, man. But it, it, was a, it was an odd vibe. Um, but, you know, the fans were trying to make the best of it. And to be frank with you, actually, the first time I went in the arena, the, like the CTC, was um, a World Cup game. 95, I believe it was. Summer 95. Cool. Yeah. Because, you know, you have to understand, every time I went off to Annie Ganish, and then I got back, the season was start and finished. So I only saw a couple games in high school. And then over my university years, Christmas, I saw a few. Um, but yeah, like that, that was the time to catch a game. That was the only time, really.
0: Well, yeah. I found I found on Hockey Reference the game that you're referring to. You were at the oh. Civic Center on February 26, 1994 to see Brendan Shanahan score three goals, add two assists, an wow. 11-1 game. And okay, we're I've mentioned we're goalie friendly show. I'm goalie sympathetic here. <laughs> Craig Billington eight goals against on 28 shots. Darren Madeley coming in to sweep it up. He lets in three on five. So that's a a, a, a nice 400 save percentage for Darren Maidley in that game. But you know what's funny? One of the 11 goal scorers, or not that many goal scorers, with Shanahan and Hattrick, but Jeff Brown getting on the board for yeah. St. Louis, and now his son Logan looking to make an impact in the NHL. We want to get your take on this edition of the Ottawa Senators going forward. Let's start with Logan Brown, naturally. you think he's got what it takes to make and consistently produce in this lineup?
2: I hope so. I mean, what Dorian said the other day about a big body and all that, right? That was a bit weird at the age of 23. I get it at like 17, 18, 19. When's he coming around is he's, he's a monster, isn't he? Like 66 six or something like that? Like if this kid can get it together, how good are we going to be? I, I I I you know, uh, look, there's one thing I got to say. Everyone's got an opinion, but none of none of them are professional. You know what I'm saying? Like, so when Dorian, when we, when we got Duchesne in that trade and it didn't work out and the unloading started, I thought that was a good move because if it wasn't going to go, then it wasn't going to go at all. So I kind of have this thing about like fans get fickle about, you know, like we lost Pajot. Did we lose Pajot? I mean, we're on a youth movement. And one thing I think as well, fans really need to realize, like I listened to spit and Chicklets as well. And those two guys, Bissonette and, uh, Whoever hosted there, the other fellow, Whitney. Fella, Whitney, thank you. They're always talking about get paid, brother, get paid, get paid. And man, it's business for these guys. That's it. That's all. And yeah. I'm not. That's it. That's all. But like, they're about getting paid. Like they. And so I have no. Um, when we traded, we when we traded Carlson, my take was we got him before he got us. Like he was walking, as far as I'm concerned. Stone didn't get that no trade clause. I believe that he wanted, or he wanted a he wanted a no trade clause. And they weren't going to give it to them. And now the the Knights are handcuffed with that contract in a few years. So this is a business move. So when they made that uh, that adjustment of this full youth movement, I was all on board. I mean, that's all I can do. As fans, that's all we can do.
0: Yeah, and it's just crazy. You got to think this is probably the best time to go through a rebuild where you go 300 almost days without a game. You're, th- you're thinking mm-hmm. that's just clock ticking on those big contracts if you're, if you're San Jose or if you're Toronto and you're not really getting your return. 56 games? I heard it's not going to be prorated contracts either. So you're paying right. them that same amount for 56 games. Now, I noticed something that you posted saying you wouldn't be totally against Tim Stutzla staying in Germany for that reason this year of wanting to get three full seasons on his entry-level contract, does that mean you'd be disappointed if he comes over, or this is just kind of a backup plan? Look, I, I think
2: definitely not disappointed. Who doesn't want to see the guy play, right? But with that Seriously. said, he stays in Mannheim one more year, gets another year under his belt playing with men, and then comes over that much more stronger, that much more better. And we have three years of him, not two and a half. Like it's a win-win. And you know, we're not going to be winning anything in three years, but in four years, hey. I don't know. <laughs> People are there cursing me right now for saying that. But, I mean, this is a young team. And I just think a year if – if we had him next year, I'd be happier. But it's not my call. It's their call, right? So I just got to go with the flow. But I, I, if I were Dorian, that's what I would consider. Yeah. I mean, just – and where's the cap going to be in three years? Can we manage it? Are we going to be able to afford all these guys in a
0: few years? <laughs> not if they're as good as he keeps hyping. Yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah and I mean
1: that's just the thing and I'm, I'm kind of with you Chris uh, I, I get a lot of uh flack from people on Twitter because I'm preaching preaching patience with Tim Stutzer right like mm-hmm. of course I want to see him in the NHL as soon as possible but if, got if he's got his jersey not, yeah I've got his jersey if he <laughs> if he's not ready don't rush him and you got a good situation with him in Mannheim and Germany and the f- irony of this all is the Sens don't really have a say in where Tim Stutz was going until they have him signed to a contract. So really we're just kind of waiting and seeing what's going to go on here, but at least we're going to see him get to play with team Germany and the world juniors. Is the world juniors something you still kind of get excited for when you're abroad, or is it hard to cat uh, keep up with these, te- these young guys? It, it, if it's in Europe, it's perfect timing. If it's uh, at least
2: one of my days in Korea, it was perfect. Cause it would start around midnight, you know, have a couple pre pops and put the game on um, at home. You know, I tell you something, when I lived in, I was in Korea for 15 years. It was awesome because you guys would watch the games on Saturday night. I would watch them on Sunday morning. I'd get up at like 7am and I'd be having like eggs, bacon and toast and a pot of coffee and watching a double header. That's not bad bad at
0: all. Especially like usually in the middle of the second double header, you're, you're kind of nodding off a little bit, but you're just raring to go.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, it's like they're done by noon, and I got the got the rest of the day of Sunday ahead of me. So I really got used to watching hockey in the morning. Um, and my old job, I wouldn't start till eleven a.m. as well. So I mean, just getting up early and watching a game quite often—it was a lot easier. It was quite easy. It was quite easy. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, it's harder here in the UAE because uh, I think the games start around three, four in the morning, and that's just a—it's just a bit early to get up. So I try to try try to catch the third period before work.
1: Yeah. So uh, apart from Stutzla, who are some of the young guys that uh, you're really stoked about coming through the system here? Brandstrom, nice. Really, I
2: mean, that was huge, right? That was a we gave up Mark Stone for that guy, so he's got big expectations. And you guys keep talking about the Bean. I mean, what's going on with this kid, right? Like crazy, hey? It's insane. It is insane what he's doing. Um, so you, I, you, I well,
0: I, you referenced not to cut you off, but you referenced the uh, Pierre Doria interview on 1200. How about that? DJ Smith saying we should get this guy in the lineup right away. Cause he's just snapping <laughs> back face-offs left and right. It's true. It's true. I, I just, you know, the catch is
2: NCAA to the NHL is huge. What yeah. a jump, right? What a leap. So we got to keep our expectations in check.
0: Yeah. Well, I Colin think, White's living proof of that.
2: Right, right, right. I think the AHL is a good measurement because I mean, the coaches talk between Belleville and Ottawa and the, you know, they're all in touch and they, they're, they're monitoring things. And I think it's another thing fans don't think about is practices and what goes behind the scenes that gets taken into consideration quite a bit, right? They they're not paid to play. They're paid to practice and judged on how well they practice is how they make the games. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But like with that, all that said, I mean, I just, I, I put my faith in Dorian and co and hope the best.
0: Cause yeah how would you evaluate his off season not only at the draft but also with the free agents bringing in Dadnov and in trade and then signing Matt Murray.
2: uh great, yeah, I hope Matt Murray could turn around obviously Dadnov fantastic, and then the two big bodies that they got there um
0: Wilson this, is it no uh Watson yeah. up front and then Josh Brown and Erica Branson on the back end
2: yeah, I mean we're not going to get thrown around as much this year they're they're going to throw the body that's for sure, so that's cool um. I got a sh- I, I, I was listening to the your re- most recent one, and I, I I think DJ Smith has got a shot at Coach of the Year. I really do. He's last down. in
0: the odds. It's
2: awesome. I'm putting a tenor down, man.
0: Nice.
1: <laughs> he
2: makes. Yeah, it, we make the
0: playoffs. He gets it. Hundred percent. Hundred percent.
1: Yeah, and and that's kind of what I was saying. Like, I'm I'm not I'm not about to put uh, money down on the Leafs or the Avs head coach. Like, you got to pick a head coach that you think can band his team together and make a miraculous run right like that's that's why yeah. barry trotz was the favorite because that's the kind of stuff that he was doing with a ragtag islanders team so well
0: i la uh, paul mcclain in 2012 with the pesky sands exactly right. yep right. yep
2: well, what about Stutz for rookie of the year i mean lafrenia goes down in, a, in an injury i mean anything can happen right like, I definitely. just see
0: Shisterkin and Sorokin. One of those tendies is just going to come over here because they have that advantage like Panarin had when he won rookie of the year. They're already 24 years old. They're already so much further in their development. That's why I am I feel like there should be like an, an under 20 rookie of the year. And then your real one, because to develop for four or five years, like those guys have been able to, it's just so much different than a guy like Stutzler who just turned 18 last January, him coming over and producing. But Hey, he's going to get an opportunity. Definitely. Who would you like to see? Final question for me. Who do you want to see? If Stutzlet does end up coming over, who do you want to see him play with to start? Do you want him right up there with Brady or maybe Dadinov is another guy we had or somebody else too?
2: Uh, Brady for sure. I mean, yeah. let's go. If they, let, let's get this youth movement going. If they're there, let's go. Let's go. I mean, I, that's how I feel. Uh, let them grow together.
0: That's a, per- that's a perfect way to wrap because I'm sure Brady would be fired up to do that as well, getting the only player in Sens history while since 2001 drafted ahead of him. Put them on the line together and let those yep. guys go. Hey, Chris, awesome having you on. We're going to tag in our tweet as well, of course. Everyone should go follow you because I just love the story too. It's awesome, just traveling all over the place and making sure to stay true to your Ottawa Senator. So thank you very much for being a sense central citizen. Really appreciate having you boys. With that said, I
2: just a year ago, I was like, I'm, I need a cast. I need to hear a cast about strictly sense. And I appreciate your work so much. I really, really want you to know that. Like, thank you. Thank you.
0: Stick taps to Chris for joining us on the show. Really appreciate that insight and, and a cool story as well to be able to travel halfway across the world. For this podcast so appreciate you chris now pilsey let's get back to our organizational value list and you can go on twitter at Sens central and see what we've done so far or just go back and listen to the last couple episodes we are starting today with number 55 on our list and it's a recent draft pick of the ottawa senator's sixth rounder in this past draft it's philip Daoust with the Moncton Wildcats. Now, interesting story. He gets undrafted in the OHL. He gets signed as a free agent to the Moncton Wildcats, and all he's done is force his way to be an NHL draft pick, wearing a letter now in his second year in Moncton. You foresee, let's remember as well, this is a a 19-year-old. who will be 20 by the time next training camp rolls around, so he's, I think, ready to turn pro, if you're Ottawa, do you give him that opportunity or was this maybe a bit of a wasted pick?
1: Well, I don't want to say a wasted pick because uh, who knows people's potential, right? Especially when you're this young, but it's, he's going into his second season in the queue. His first season, not bad, seven goals, 22 assists and 58 games, but he's got to bounce that up. If he really wants to uh, get some eyeballs on him to be considered to go pro soon. I think this is probably a player you let play out in the queue as, as long as possible. There's no rush to get him in, but he's had a good start to this weird queue season so far. 13 points in 13 games, so not too bad there, but they haven't played since November 14th.
0: Wow, that's a long time. However, at least it is a strong start to his season. Just another one of these 2020 draft class of Ottawa doing well. you love to see that, but I don't know. My expectations aren't very high for him this upcoming season. I just think You let him stay there as long as he can. I mean, next year he'll be an overager, so give him that season. And then, I guess, reassess. This isn't a guy that I would rush into the lineup in Belleville or Ottawa or even Brampton anytime soon.
1: Yeah, and I think that's probably fair. You're hoping he goes at a point-per-game pace here at the Q moving forward as he already started a point-per-game pace. And Yeah, I could see maybe after um, his overager year in the Q is done, you could see this is a guy that maybe gets a shot in Brampton.
0: So as a sixth-round pick, you don't expect him to be too high on this organizational value chart, and that's why Philippe D'Aus lands at number 55. Now moving up to 54, it's Victor Lodin, a fourth-round pick back in the 2019 draft last year, but he was also a 20-year-old at the time of the draft. So he's 21 years old now. He was playing in the Swedish Hockey League. Now he's down in the league below it, playing in the Olsven League, and with Timra, a team that Sens fans could be familiar with. It's where also Jonathan Dolan plays, but he seems to be doing well there. I mean, they're stacked. He's, he's only got four goals in 21 games, but 14 points. Again, a guy who I would just leave over there as long as possible, just let him do his thing, and hopefully he finds some sort of potential.
1: Yeah, and that's what you're hoping for uh, with these later draft picks. I mean, 94th overall, though, like that's, that's considerably higher than some of the other guys we've mentioned uh, in this kind of area of our rankings. But where I'm concerned, Ross, is he got some time in the Swedish Hockey League in 2018-2019. 41 games, actually. Only five points. That's fine. You're a young guy playing in a pro league. And then he started, it looks like he started last season in the SHL, 22 games, four assists. And now he's back in the Allsvenskan for the end of that season and to start this season. So it's a little disappointing when it seems like he's been demoted and has been staying down there.
0: And if he is going to the league below, which he has, you expect him to dominate, but he's sixth on the team in scoring. Like Jonathan Dolan, the aforementioned, he has 35 points in 17 games. The guy who's in second has 31 in 22. So they have... Three guys who are above a point-per-game pace. I mean, Dolan almost at two points per game. And then you just have to scroll a little too far down for my liking. So I feel like that's a guy whose stock has really dropped and honestly not a prospect I'm very excited about.
1: Yeah, and and I think uh, I'm not ready to write him off yet. He could be a guy that uh, maybe has a good bounce-back year. But until he's back in the Swedish Hockey League, it's going to be tough to really... To really be uh, excited about what he brings to the table for this franchise,
0: and that's why he's number fifty-four on our organizational value chart. As we move to fifty-three, Yakov Novak. Uh, again, this are all like mid to late round picks. Novak, back in twenty eighteen, was a seventh rounder. He plays at Bentley University, and he's one of their offensive weapons. However, not not Novak, right? It's it's a, a smaller school, albeit Division One, yes, but he's not necessarily going to be winning a a national championship anytime soon. Three goals in four games start this year. Currently suspended, we believe, because they played last night. And he was not in the lineup after having 15 penalty minutes in his last game. However, he also had two goals in that game as well. So this is a guy who had 16 goals, 35 games last year. He can score. It's just, does he have a complete enough game to be a pro?
1: Yeah, and I think that's where it gets interesting. I mean, neither of us can really uh, claim to be experts on, on Novak here. Uh, <laughs> admittedly, I haven't been following Bentley University that closely. But let's take a look at his uh, season last year, Ross. 35 games played, 16 goals scored, 14 assists, 30 points. That's not too bad. I mean, he did rack up 84 penalty minutes. So it seems like this guy's got a bit of a mean streak to him. Yeah, plays but- with an edge. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's something interesting. He's got one more year at Bentley University after this. So we'll see how he does there. And I think this is another guy that maybe if he has a good season, you could see him coming into play with Brampton.
0: Yeah, the year he was drafted, he was with the Janesville Jets in the NAHL. Like think like basically Junior A minus, I, I would call that league. But he produced ridiculous numbers 73 points in 56 games and 131 pims so he's a guy who if he projects as a pro is going to be that bottom line guy who he scored at lower levels but I think you're just looking more of him as a grinder a, a get it done defensively type guy
1: yeah that's probably the right description there for Novak
0: all right we're getting closer and closer to the top of the list and These are all the lower end guys, and every organization has them. We have it as about 48 and above is where we're starting to get excited. But for now, we're doing the countdown. Everyone in the organization, we leave no stone unturned. So that's why we're giving you even some background info on these seventh round picks because the Locked On Senators podcast is your number one home. For daily Ottawa and Belleville Senators content and apparently Bentley University as well. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Always appreciate that. Make sure you follow us on Twitter as well at Send Central. So Sunday, we're off, but the World Junior pre-tournament does begin. We're still waiting on some shuffling what we assume in the schedule because Sweden has to maintain their quarantine. Germany's just losing their pre-tournament games, but we should see the K-train in action with Jake Sanderson, 6 p.m. Eastern time, USA, Switzerland, and then Finland and Czech Republic at 9.30. So we'll see where Rock and Robbie Jarventy, he lands in that Finnish lineup. And on Monday, we'll break it all down with a very special guest. We basically have a friend of the show week coming up on Christmas week. It's a time for family, and that's why we're having it. We'll leave you with that for now. For Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast or team every day.